I am Emily Lyons. In 2009, without a high school degree and no money to my name, I decided to start my own business. But since then, I've built several multi-million dollar companies and I don't plan on stopping. Being a businesswoman, CEO, serial entrepreneur, survivor, and general life enthusiast, I'm endlessly jazzed by the business of life, especially the stories of extraordinary people I've had the privilege to meet along my own improbable journey to success. I don't think it's fair to keep that privilege to myself, and I think you deserve to be lifted and shifted by these people too. After all, all inspiring people are inspired people. So get ready to be inspired. This is Mind Your Business. Today, I'm joined by Shay Cochran. Shay is the CEO of Social Squares. Shay has built and grown this business into a multi-six-figure business that serves A-list powerhouse female entrepreneurs, all while working only 16 hours a week. Yeah, that's right. 16 hours. <laughs> Today, she's going to share the powerful secret to how she harnessed working less to make more. So if you are currently teetering on the dangerous edge of burnout, hello, and know that you can't continue at this pace forever, lean in. This one is for you. Well, Shay, I'm so glad you could join me today. Thank you so much for the chance to even do this. I always say like, I don't get a lot of opportunities in what I do to have these kind of meaningful conversations. I don't have a podcast or anything. So I'm always incredibly grateful for the chance to like sit down and have these conversations. So thank Uh, you. Well, I always love talking with interesting entrepreneurs and especially ones whose products or services that I use myself. And I'm a fan of your business, of course, use it all the time. And so of course I had to have you on, but I would love for those that aren't familiar with you for you to just introduce yourself in your own words. Yeah. So my name is Shay Cochran. I am the CEO of Social Squares, which is a styled stock image membership specifically servicing female entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs that have a female target audience. I'm a commercial and product stylist by trade. So I was working for a lot of big brands that were a lot of fun, just women doing really great things with various products or services. But at some point when I started having kids and when life got a little crazier, I just wanted to kind of own my time in a different way and be able to scale it and stop trading dollars for hours of time. And so that was kind of like the genesis of turning a service-based business into more of a tech SaaS membership. Also, that makes the barrier of entry much lower to have high quality commercial imagery to use for digital marketing. So you're very familiar with that. We Mm -hmm. provide images that are usable across all different platforms to support your digital marketing efforts. So the membership kind of makes it scalable and just enables us to show up and serve more women. But I mean, at the heart of all of it, we just want to see more women find greater success sharing their businesses and ideas with the world. So now that looks like providing imagery and it's just a pleasure to get to support small businesses in that way. My heart is for the entrepreneur. My husband's also an entrepreneur. So it's kind of like a 24-hour mastermind in our house. (laughs) Uh, So we're like just eyeball deep in supporting small business owners and being small business owners and entrepreneurs ourselves. So that's what we eat, sleep, and breathe. And right now, the way I do that is through Social Scrolls membership. How did you come up with this idea? Because I had never seen something. I mean, you see Shutterstock and those stock imagery, but not this quality of photo. Yeah. Well, I actually can't take any credit for it. It was a commercial client of mine. I was shooting for a business owner and I was shooting her products at the time. I think she was in the paper goods space. And she said to me, Shay, I really just, my brand is all formed around 
peaches. It had to do with where she was in the South or something like that. And she's like, instead of shooting my product, can you just shoot some pictures of some peaches? And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I bet you there's a lot of other business owners that just need like photos of random things that will support their messaging and their brand. Do you think you could do that? And I was like, that is it. That's the solution to like, I'm getting all these inquiries and I only have so much time to do one-on-one commercial projects Mm -hmm. for them. How can I serve a bigger audience? But I have like a finite limited amount of time. If I could create images that this audience specifically, female entrepreneurs need, then I can pass them out to everyone. Like I can -hmm. help anyone, whether they have $2,000 or $10,000 to invest into imagery. So it really was one of my clients that came up with the idea. I wish I could take credit, but it just made sense. Like, I don't know when you like hear that business idea and all the pieces that have been swirling in your head just kind of all of a sudden make sense. And I think part of why it saw some quick success was that at the time, so this was back in 2013, your options were very limited for stock imagery, especially if you were in any kind of creative space working with women, your options were iStock, Getty Images, neither of which had memberships, all of the imagery was very commercial, like a bit of it was like overly masculine. So if you wanted to talk about work and you were a graphic designer, your options were like pictures of people in suits in boardrooms, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it just, it was fairly simple in the context of where the industry was at then to raise my hand and say like, okay, I'm going to create like beautiful images for creatives and for people that are in the small business space that don't want this kind of corporate imagery. And at the time I was one of the few people doing that. So I think we were kind of the first styled stock membership service of its time that was like, this is our audience. This is who we're creating imagery for. Now you have lots of options and there's amazing options out there like Unsplash and platforms like that. Those didn't exist back then. So we just continue to try to like dial in and produce exactly what our people need, mm-hmm. knowing that, yeah, you can get images a lot of different places. So we try to provide a highly curated catalog. We all know there's really bad imagery out there. And unfortunately, the value of your product or service is only as good in the eyes of your potential customer or client as the images that you're using and the branding that you're using to sell it. So we continue to try to highly curate, be really dialed in on what our users need and kind of just stick to our niche and so far it's worked well and it's just a lot of fun. It lets me produce whatever beautiful images I want, knowing that it will serve and help someone. So selfishly, I get to benefit from it also. Do you take a lot of the photos yourself still? I used to, I don't anymore. I contribute a small amount to the catalog. Let's call it like 20% of images to the catalog, but we work with contributing photographers all over the US. I think they're all in country, but we have a number of incredibly talented photographers for reasons like I live in Tampa, Florida. And so I cannot produce winter images for you if you need winter images. Like there are no fall leaves. There is no snow, you know, but I've got your beach images, you know, so... For that reason and a million other reasons, we work with a team of amazing contributing photographers so that we're able to service a wide variety of industries within the membership. So we have everything from like lawyers to, you know, paper goods creators to health and wellness coaches to, mm-hmm. you know, speakers to realtors. Like it really is just all over the map in terms of the industries represented by our members. I love that. And I love the model itself. I really, really right now, when I talk to new entrepreneurs, if they can get into something where it is a membership type model, always encourage that because it's a really brilliant way to go. Especially for small business owners who are dealing with revenue that is just up and down from month to month and they're trying to stabilize their own family's finances. 
but one month they're getting, you know, they're making this amount and then the next month it might be very little. And then the next month cash flow comes back in. So I think anytime you can really kind of self-regulate revenue month to month, it's going to be helpful for the small business owner. And a membership definitely does that. Completely. Totally. Now, I know you talk a lot about only working 16 hours a week. (laughs) I need to hear what this is, how you do this, all of it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So yes, I work 16 hours a week and I always have, and I can give you the origin of why that is, but the bottom line is not, you know, my heart is not that everyone should be working 16 hours, right? We all have different lives, different interests, different passions, different businesses, different team size, all of that. I think what's unique about what I've been able to do and what my encouragement is for other people is that it really is possible for the average small business owner to make the same amount of revenue in less hours than they're currently working. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And we'll unpack all of that. But the point isn't that everyone should work 16 hours. It's that everyone really needs clarity and a reminder of why they got into business. Why did they start this business in the first place? Like, are they actualizing on the reasons why they started that business? And what do they specifically them, not me, not how many hours a week do I need to work to thrive, but how many hours a week do you need to thrive? And does the next person need? And that's going to be really different for each of us. So yes, I work 16 hours a week. I manage a team. I couldn't do that without my team. So I'll like disclaimer there. And the reason why 16 hours is because that was all the child care I could afford. So no very highly strategic answer. But when my husband and I were starting the businesses that we both run, we were in a super tough financial spot. It was 2009. I don't know if you remember. Well, I don't know how, where you are, like what was happening in the States in 2009. But I mean, it was just a difficult time. We moved, we had a new baby, a new mortgage, no family. He lost his job. And I had been doing work back in Virginia where we moved from as a photographer there. So in the early days, it was like, we can only afford 16 hours a week of childcare. And so that's how much I had those kind of baked in limitations and parameters. And I've kept that over the years. Now my kids are in school. So I technically have like five days a week to work or as many you know hours a week as I want to work. But what I've really tried to do two days a week of work for me represents, then it was like the max amount of time that I wanted to be away from my kids in that season when I had little kids. Mm -hmm. Now it just reflects my priorities. Like there's, and we'll talk about this a lot more, but there's so much to our lives. Like there's so many other aspects of life that are valuable, not just the work that we're doing in the world. And our life has to be set up in such a way that there's the type of care happening to sustain that high quality work. And so, you know, that's why I've like kept 16 hours. It just kind of allows me to give the time that I want to different areas of life. So it gives me two days a week to spend time pouring into relationships, to go have coffee with a friend, to take care of my own health, to take care of my home and create a space that we all want to be in, to take care of the nutritional health of my family, like to actually do grocery shopping, to actually like plan out meals, things like that. Take care of myself, to invest in self-care on those days, to do community service, like be up. There's, there's so much more to each of us than just the work that we're doing, but we don't always prioritize that stuff on our mm-hmm. calendar. I, one Graham and I, since we both run businesses, we take Fridays off and we have a day day. And that's the day that we also do our marriage counseling. <laughs> so like we're investing oh, there and like date Fridays. Not everybody can do that. But the point is, you know, creating a schedule that really supports holistic life thriving mm-hmm. and not allowing work to thrive at the expense of all those other areas of life. So, well, it's interesting because 
I hear this often, especially over the last few years of everybody being like, oh, I have to work, you know, whatever it is, 80 hours a week or yeah. to be successful. And yeah. one of the biggest threats to entrepreneurs, I think, is burnout and absolutely everything that goes with that. And I was talking about this over the weekend, actually, when I was doing a speech and I was saying that if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, one of the best things you can do is take care of yourself, make yourself the number one priority health-wise, you know, all the things that that encompasses, spending time with your family and all of those things. And I know for me, when I got started, I used to say, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to go to the gym. I don't have time to sleep eight hours a night. And somebody said to me early on, switch the phrase, I don't have time for with, it's not a priority for me. And when I started saying, I don't have a priority to take care of myself, maybe it's when I reevaluate my priorities. But I also know that when I take care of myself and I have that balance, the work that I create is far superior than if I just push myself to go through and push myself to keep working until I'm blue in the face, because it's not going to be good quality work if you're running on four hours of sleep and all that stuff. So I love that you find that balance. And I really think that when we figure out, you know, really great processes and different things like using things like social squares or different apps that make our job and our life so much easier. We're able to systemize so much as entrepreneurs. And quite often the work that we create is just far better as well. Well, it's, it's investing in the asset and protecting the asset, right? You are the asset as the CEO, whether you're the face of the brand or not, you are the asset. Mm -hmm. So if you had an award-winning racehorse, you would feed that racehorse the best yes. food. You know, you would make sure it gets the rest <laughs> it needs. You would make sure it's comfortable. You know, you would not work it too hard. So we have to kind of treat ourselves as a CEO in the same exact way. And so, and the really intriguing thing to me, and the part of this that gets just kind of like experimental for me, is that most of us could really be making more money, more more revenue. If we dialed in the way that we're spending our time, we could probably make more revenue in less time, Mm -hmm. or we could three X, four X, five X our business by taking the same amount of timing and investing it differently. So things like the 80, 20 rule, things like Parkinson's law. Um, most of what the average small business owner is doing is not actually moving the ball down the field. So I'm just curious enough about like, could that be tested? And what would the implications be if I really bought into some of these rules like 80-20, like Parkinson's law and use them in my favor? So this is about self-care and this is about not burning out, but I think it's also about revenue. I think it's also about profitability Mm -hmm. and how we can utilize working less to actually increase our revenue. So, you know, there's a lot, and there's so much we could talk about there and there's, we could deep dive into some of those things, but I think it does have to start with crystallization of the vision, really getting into why you started your business in the first place. Let me ask you, like, why did you start your business? Why did you leave the work that you were doing before corporate work and move into owning your own business? Like what were your whys? Oh, that was it's a real question. 13 years ago when I started my first yeah. Yeah. I started it because I was just unhappy. I wasn't happy with every job I'd ever had. And I felt like this kind of failure in the world because I just couldn't stick with the job, but because I didn't have that passion. And so I had read a book my sister had given me. I read the beginning of it and it just, it was all about how to make a great living doing what you love. And something just sparked in my mind that I could create something that I enjoyed doing. I could work for myself on my own terms and make money doing it. And so that was the initial spark for me was to follow that passion. Yeah. And so I've just been doing that ever since. 
Yeah. And I think that's not uncommon, right? I think the top few things that I usually hear is like financial freedom to not have like a ceiling or barrier on what they can make. Obviously, like they feel like they're capable of so much more. Maybe their job only allows them to progress to a certain revenue point and they really want to break through that. So sometimes it's like financial freedom. Sometimes it's freedom of time. So freedom is often like, that's often a buzzword that I hear is like, I want to be able to do what I want to do on my own schedule. I want to be able to go vacation. I want to be able to go visit a friend who needs me to show up for something in their lives. I want to have more time with my kids. I want to, you know, whatever it is. So there's time, you know, there's money just taking the ceiling off there. And then there's passion. Like I want to do meaningful work that I love, that I not only enjoy, but feel a deep, deep sense of satisfaction in. So I think what's super helpful in terms of starting with crystallizing a vision is revisiting those things. Like, why did you start doing this in the first place? Mm -hmm. And then to what extent are you living in that? And I do think it's important to identify all the whys, like there might be one or there might be three, but identifying all of the whys and the specifics associated with those, like if it was financial freedom, let's say, to what extent? Like, what amount did you have in mind? Like, did you just want to be able to be debt-free? Did you want to be able to pay off your house? Did you want to be able to take extravagant vacations? Like, what was it? What is the goal for each of those whys? What are the specifics? And then what's the order of priority of those whys? Because you could say it was financial. You know, I started a business because I really wanted to make, just take, blow the lid off of how much I could make, but that's a why. But if that becomes all we're working for, and one of your other whys was like time freedom, what you may not be experiencing any time freedom and total financial freedom. So it's important also within that to have prioritized those whys in order of importance to you to make sure that then you're setting things up in such a way that it supports that order of operations. Like the actually the most important thing for me was time, not money. You yeah. know, money actually was third now that I think about it. So why am I why have I constructed everything in such a way that it's supporting that one and but to the detriment of the other? So I think that's important and helpful just to start with that. Why'd you start doing this? And then a little bit of like a self-assessment of where am I at in those things? Am I fully experiencing each of those? Maybe you passed the goal 10 years ago, but you're still working yourself to death, even though like, oh yeah, the goal was just that. And I blew past that a long time ago. So there's a lot there, but crystallizing the vision, I think is like always going to be the place to start. You know, you can't really figure out where you want to go or how to get where you want to go if you don't really know where you are. So well, it's funny I always encourage that. So many of us leave our job because we don't want to work, you know, that 40 hours right? a week. And then we were <laughs> working 80 plus hours a week. You leave your nine to five <laughs> to work 24 seven for yourself. Yeah. And you leave a job that gave you two weeks off a month to mm-hmm. then take zero weeks off a month yeah. because you take your laptop with you. So now you're an even meaner boss, crueler boss to yourself than the <laughs> boss that you left before. And it's all, you know, we will die on that vine for the sake of like, oh, but I love what I do. But like, yeah, but also there's like so much more to you and like supporting and pouring into your life and the relationships around you, what they need. There's just so much more to Mm -hmm. life than that. So it is very, very funny how we left a business for one reason. And then we end up being just like 
crueler bosses than we even had before. The boss that makes you take your laptop on vacation, makes you yeah. take holidays, like <laughs> makes you work on the weekends. You know, you miss holidays because I mean, it's just, it's harder funny. on ourselves yeah. than anybody else could have been. Yeah. We make mistakes and all that. Yeah. That, something that I found a couple years in, because originally like money was absolutely one of the things yeah. that was one of my targets. But at the beginning, it was so much different. Like I remember when I first started, I wrote down, if I can just make $30,000 a year, I can afford my basement apartment and I'll be happy. I'll be happy. I'll be working for myself and I'll have freedom. (laughs) And then I made that and that's like, okay, if I make six figures, I'll be happy. And it's like, okay, if I hit seven figures. Seven figures. (laughs) And it's like, you're never quenching that thirst if it's just money. And so I found that it's gotta be, what am I gonna do with that money? Like whose lives am I gonna impact? What family am I gonna be able to support? What charities am I gonna be able to give to? Things like that, things that are really deep and meaningful where if I died tomorrow, it would be what was important to me. Yeah. And so I find that those are the things that really fuel me, you know, especially when I don't feel like it or I lose that motivation or whatever it is, is to have that really deep why that's far, far goes beyond, you know, like a new car or a new purse or something, because that's not going to get me jumping out of bed in the morning. And I think any six or seven figure or eight figure business owner would probably say the same thing. Like it doesn't satisfy you the way you think it will. And I also think another helpful way of looking at it is what is your enough? Like, so for you back then, it was like the $30,000 goal. That was your enough. And now present day, it might be different, but I think it's kind of helpful to have identified for yourself and within your family. If you have a family, what is our enough? What is it that we need that would allow us to live and give the way that we really want to? And then look at everything beyond that point as gravy, because as business owners, as ambitious entrepreneurs, it's never enough, right? The launch could have always been bigger. Like revenue numbers could always have been bigger. And for some of us, we're never getting to actually really enjoy the fruit of our labor because the target is always, always moving. So one helpful way of thinking about it is like, what is my enough? Like, where could I die happy? And then can I like remind myself of what that point is? Because maybe it's an amount of hours of work, an amount of time off each year and an amount of money to give an amount of money to save and that kind of thing, those targets. And then beyond that, what if you could just celebrate it all as gravy instead of being perpetually disappointed that it could have been more? Or maybe you're not like me in that. I love that. That's totally how I am. Now, I know that there's somebody that's going to be listening and they're like, okay, I want to get started with working less. I want to systemize. I figure out my why and why I got started. But now what? Yeah. Well, I think we have to tease out a little bit more what the current reality is. And that's not necessarily the fun work, like the business plan, a new work week, but it's super critical stuff. So my encouragement there would be to start with, like expand your assessment, your self-assessment from why did I start doing this to where am I at in life and being very, very honest with yourself about where you're at and looking holistically at life. So I feel like there's kind of eight sectors that make up your life and who you are. And are you fully experiencing all of those in the way that you want to? So examples would be health, mental, physical, emotional health, Where are you at? If you were going to give yourself a one to 10 rating in each of these areas, where would you place yourself? Family. That can be your family of origin. It can be, you know, your family living under your roof. If you're married and you have kids, that can be them. If you're, you know, so family would be one. Friendship and community. To what extent do I have deep, meaningful relationships? And am I connected to a broader community that, to your point, is going to sustain me when the days feel hard, is going to encourage me and remind me of why I'm doing this? is going to point out the positive impact that I'm having in the world. And 
so that we can show up for them as well, right? So it's a two-way thing. Are we loving the way we want to love and connecting the way we want to connect and investing in relationship in the way that we really want to be, the way we want to be showing up as humans in the world, not just as CEOs. So health, family, friendship and community, finances. What's your financial picture like? What's your debt to profit ratio? Spiritual would be another one. How are you doing spiritually for whatever that means to you? Play, recreation, leisure. So my favorite word for that would be play. How's your play life going? (laughs) There's so much science that supports the critical implications of play or like effects of play, like why it's so necessary for our brain and for our work. So what does play, recreation, leisure look like? And then what does work look like? And then what does your like focal or key relationship look like? If you're married, then that might be your marriage. How's that doing? or maybe it's a dating relationship. But I think those sort of eight sectors make up kind of holistically who we are. And we have to get honest first before we can move forward about how we're doing in each of those. And so if it's just you, you can do that assessment with yourself, one to 10. One is like, I'm not seeing this at all. I'm not satisfied at all in this area. 10 would be like, this is ideal. Things are exactly the way I want them to be. And then if you're in a serious relationship, you have a marriage partner or you know, partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, then talking to them about it and allowing them to speak into it. And then it gets even more complicated when you have kids and you're like, what do you guys think? Like, does mommy seem happy? Does mommy seem healthy? Like, are we hanging out with friends? Like, are we having fun together? And if you have those relationships in your life, it's important to be humble enough to let them speak into how things are going. Also ask your best friend, have I been a good friend to you? Like, have I showed up for you? Am I available? Or do you just think I'm busy? So And that's not the fun stuff. That is the hard, like heart work of building a life that we're really thriving in. Mm -hmm. But you do have to start there, I think, with holistic life assessment. So, you know, do that. Another great question that I've heard, I don't know if you're familiar with Rich Litvin. He's a coach and he asks a Mm -hmm. phenomenal question. He says, if I ran into you at a conference or something three years from now, And I was like, Emily, how have you been? How are you doing? And you were like, Shay, this has been the most amazing three years of my life. And I would say, wow, like, tell me about it. What would you go on to describe to me? Oh my gosh, I love that. Like, so I can't take credit for that. That's not me. That's Rich Litvin. But it's such a powerful question, right? Like whatever you say after that question is really going to paint a picture of what your vision really is. And maybe it's financial, but maybe it's not. And that might be a part of it. So just a great question. Three years from now, if I asked you, you said it was the best three years of your life, what would you go on to describe? So I think those are important aspects and elements. And I think another one that's, this is all kind of falls under mindset. So again, not the fun, like forward thinking work of business planning and 80-20 our work life. Like we can get there, but we have to do the mental and internal work first. And another thing I think is really getting honest and identifying some of your hidden driving forces behind why you're showing up in work the way that you are. Mm -hmm. So if you are a self-identified we don't use the term workaholic anymore. Remember, we used to call it that. Now we call it hustle. Or, you know, so remember, when it was our dad, it was like they were workaholic if they were like on their oh, Blackberry yeah. too often. Now, you know, we just rebranded workaholism. But if you are one of these people who's like, you know, if I'm being honest, I work way more than I want to work. Mm-hmm. If that's you, then I think it's really helpful to identify some of those hidden driving forces behind why you work. And some of the common ones would be fear. 
either you're trying to outrun something that you experienced in your childhood, right? Maybe you grew up, I think of like a friend of mine, Mary Morantz, who grew up in rural West Virginia in poverty. She remembers the smell of her clothes and her trailer that was falling apart. And she's a incredibly successful business owner and author now, but she has said and identified for herself, like I am running so hard to like outrun that life. Maybe you've seen enormous success and you're so afraid that if you dial it back, you're going to lose it. Maybe you're afraid that you're going to lose momentum or that you have kind of like a scarcity mindset or a fixed pie mindset. Like there's only so much work to go around and I've got to keep my head in the game or I'm going to lose it. So is fear driving you? Is escape or distraction driving you? So this is like the hard one, okay? We all have things in our life that are just hard to carry and it can be easier to show up in work than it is to show up in the difficult marriage or in the difficult friendship or in the difficult health situation or in the difficult circumstantial situation that you find yourself in. And so we can use work as escape or as distraction. And work can also be an amazing, beautiful tool and outlet in those seasons of life. So that is true. Like Mm. sometimes when we find out your story is an example of that. You've been through some hard things and I don't know you enough to say this for you, but I would imagine there are seasons of life where you're like, man, work was kind of what like got me up in the morning. hundred percent. It was my escape. So, yeah. It's not to say that escape is always bad, but you want to know what's driving you, right? So that you can decide, are you okay with that? Are you not okay with that? And then the third, a common one is like identity and validation. If you weren't doing the work that you're doing, would you have a sense of like, who am I? I don't even know who I am apart oh from this. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's just that's we all experience that on a certain level, but you are so much more than the scope of what you're doing professionally. Who you are, the way you're showing up in life, your ability to be fully present and in the relationships that you have and in the circle of influence that you're in, in the neighborhood that you're in, with the people you run into at the grocery store, like you fully showing up in life is just as valuable, if not more, than what you're accomplishing professionally to scale. So if our identity and validation all comes from work, then when that has to shift, we lose ourselves. Mm -hmm. If we burn out and have to put it on the back burner for a year or two or two months, we lose ourselves if that's what our identity is in. So again, no bad. We all have these things, but you want to know what's driving you so that you can appropriately deal with those and decide how much you want that to be dictating the way that you're showing up in work and in the world. So none of that is easy or quick. It's all like deep mindset stuff, but incredibly valuable. Well, it's interesting that you said, you know, what would I identify as if I took that away? Because we put so much emphasis on what we do. I mean, as soon as you meet somebody at a social event, it's What's what do you do? What do you do? What do you do for a living? <laughs> yeah. It's like that's how they're going to decide their opinion on you almost a yeah. lot of the time of is this person valuable for me to be networking with and all of that. And so we really internalize that of yeah. I'm an entrepreneur, I'm gonna be successful because that means that I am somebody or that I've got worth or value. Oh yeah. Need that with ourselves. I feel that with the whole 16 hour a week thing, because I know that when people hear that she works, well, I can't say I know. I feel like I know that when people hear, <laughs> oh, she works 16 hours a week. It means, oh, that's cute. Like she runs a little side. <laughs> you know? like, I'm living that. I understand that there's a certain value measure that we give to how many hours a week someone's working or how many zeros are after their revenue numbers. So there's, we all fall into that. We all do in different ways, but, and that's fine. You can choose that. 
but it is about you knowing what's driving you and deciding like, is that what I want to be driven by or no? And to what extent? And is it starting to cost me that I'm driven by that? Mm -hmm. I would be interested, like what a typical day looks like for you. Yeah. So I mean, do you want a work day or days? what if it's an off day and something yeah. goes wrong at the business? You know, uh -huh. the team needs you or something. Yeah. Yeah. So some of this can kind of gets into a little bit of the, like, how do you do it? Like, how do you go about building a business that isn't completely dependent on you? And hmm. there are things you have to put into place in order to dial back your work. So one of those things is how owner dependent do you want your company to be? And mm -hmm. how owner dependent do you want your team to be? Because I had, so rewinding back to my story, some people can juggle multiple roles at once and they could have a baby on one arm and they can be <laughs> answering an email and they might thrive in that environment. I am not that girl, okay? I need to be 150 miles an hour in work. I need to be all in to work. I cannot do both. I cannot be a good friend and be working the same day. I cannot, I, I personally have to compartmentalize. So I had to, so then I'm working with only the number of hours that I had to work with that I could afford childcare because I personally didn't do that multi-roles well. I wanted to be 150% all in on mothering when I was a mom and 150% all in as a CEO when I was showing up as a CEO. So I had to build a business or chose to build a business that was not dependent on me. And this has been a learning process, right? Like how do I grow a team that is able to operate with their own autonomy and there's accountability measures in place and they feel like they have the opportunity and power to experiment and try and fail. Like, are they allowed to fail? Are they allowed to make decisions or do they need to bottleneck at me? You know, I mean, you know what it feels like to build a personal brand. There's a lot magical about building a personal brand. And I think that if Social Squares was more of a personal brand, it probably would be able to move a little faster, connect a little quicker if I was in it and I was showing up as the person behind the brand. But because I want to limit my work hours because of all the things I want to do in my off days, I've had to build both a team that's not owner-dependent and a brand and a company that's not owner-dependent. That doesn't mean that I want to or have to back, I have plans to back out of it, but I always wanted to create it in such a way that it didn't need me and that there were smarter people in the company than me that were making decisions and that had the autonomy and ownership to really invest in it and make decisions without me. So there's a lot there. Going back to like your first question of like, what do I do with my free time? My off days are super full. Well, they're full when I want them to be full. So there are days in this season where I'm, I'm in a season now that I'm just trying to really slow down and create space to just do a little bit more self-discovery, do a little bit more self-work with coaches, like really figure out what I want out of life and how I want to be showing up. So in this season, I've carved out entire pockets of days where I am not accessible and I'm literally just like sitting out back. <laughs> like I'm sitting out on the swings. Like Wednesdays are my day that I try to put nothing on my calendar right now because I'm trying to do a lot of deep heart work and I'm trying to give myself space to rest and recuperate from all the transitions that we've had in our lives mm -hmm. over the last two years. So right now I carve out a lot of space for nothing, but in general, my off days are like all those other things I described. It's like, it is self-care. It's working out. It's eating healthy. It's meeting up with friends. It's volunteering. It's showing up to help a friend who needs something very specific, sit down and have a business coaching call with a friend of mine who's starting a business. It's all of that. It's investing in my marriage. It's dating my husband. It's being able for me to show up for field trips and things like that. So 
I'm not sitting around with my time off saying like, what in the world would I do? Like, I should just go to work. And I think what happens is when we create that space, you do have to know how you want to fill it. And that's part of that life assessment, right? If you're like, you know what? I'm not physically healthy. Maybe I need to get a personal trainer. Maybe I need to get a nutritionalist. It is important to know the other areas of life that you want to pour into, or, you know, you're just clearing your schedule to clear your schedule and you're going to get an hour into watching Netflix and you're like, this isn't as satisfying. I'm just going to go do more work. Mm -hmm. So that's where that assessment comes back in. The self-assessment really dictates like, what are the areas I need to be investing in? And then how can I allocate my time in my week or in my day to invest in all of those areas that I've just identified as priorities or in need of care? And I set up the rest of my time around those things. But that you sit out back, we have a client and he exited his, his last company for several billion. And we were having a conversation and he was saying one of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make is that they don't allow themselves time to just be, to just think right? be creative. And so every yeah. single day he yeah. sets aside like at least an hour where everything's turned off and he's done this for years. So he can just think where he's not yeah. caught up and all of the buzzing and the people coming at him and working, 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 where he can just brainstorm and be creative and just calm, quiet. Absolutely. That you're going to do your best work within your business. And you're going to also show up as your best self outside of your business if you've allocated that time. And so I've just taken to letting people think that I'm busy and I don't return (laughs) texts during that time. And I don't answer Slack messages during that time. I'm pretty hardcore. I really do. So to your question about like, what if an emergency comes up? I really do try to keep Slack off on my off days. I try, I stay out of email because I can't do both well. I just can't show up in life. And I'm a frantic mess if I'm trying to do both. And I won't give my heart and my mind and my attention to what's whoever is right in front of me if I'm doing both. So I have to be a little bit extreme. Like I don't have any work pushes to my phone after five o'clock. I'm not opening my laptop on the weekends or on the evenings. Everyone's different. So don't hear me saying like, shame on you if you open your laptop. That may be your only time to open your laptop is in the evening. The point is not what has worked for me. The point is just being really honest about what you need. If you're married, what your marriage needs, or if you're dating, what that relationship needs, what your friends need, like what you need, the amount of sleep you need, the amount of time to just go take a walk and think your own thoughts, the amount of time you need to sit outside with nothing on the agenda to just be creative or creatively problem solve for your company or generate new product ideas. Like that's when our best ideas come is when we set aside that kind of white space and margin. It just doesn't feel productive. And I think that's why people don't choose it, but it's Mm -hmm. arguably potentially some of your most important, most valuable productive time. I was just thinking, you know, how did you know how to do all of this? Because how did you know how to go from being a photographer and then starting this business and starting this membership platform and doing all of this. Did you go to school for business? No, I went to school for psychology. No, oh my gosh. I, I was going to be a counseling psychologist. That's a good question. I wish I could say that I had this plan from the beginning. It really was just, I have the gift of a good marriage. I am married to my best friend. So important. So we have always had those lines of communication open. He's been an entrepreneur for much of the same time that I've been. So we have this constant feedback loop going of like, how's this going? Like, am I loving you the way that you want to be loved? Are you loving me the way that I would like to be loved? Like that self-assessment. I mean, we just, we got in the habit very early on of at the end of each year doing this kind of assessment. So we would actually take like an away day, either individually or together and answer all of these questions together. And so the issues would quickly arise just because we had set aside the time for that conversation. How are we doing financially? Well, we're going to have to talk about it. Like, how are we doing with 
relationally? Do we feel just alone and isolated and don't have any like real in-person, real R-E-A-L, not R-E-E-L friends? (laughs) We have had those conversations over and over again, at least yearly, if not more than yearly. And so having those conversations just created the accountability Like, I would like for you to be present when we're having dinner. I want to be able to talk. I want to be able to catch up. Like right now, we both close out of work around five. We pour a glass of wine. We go sit out on the dock and we talk. How's your day? How's your day? What were your wins? What were your losses? Like, we need that time in order to have a good marriage. So for us, that kind of provided the accountability there. But it could be friendships. It could be relationships. It could be family family that you're having that conversation with. But I think that honest assessment is what forced us to perpetually change and tweak and figure out what worked for us by being honest about what wasn't working for us. Mm -hmm. And with anything, you know, with business or whatever it is you want to do, I quite often say, once you figure out where you want to go, then it's just problem solving how you get there. Yeah. And I think that's really half the problem is that I don't think the majority of, I mean, your audience is a super smart audience. So maybe they've done this. Maybe they've already (laughs) like clarified their vision and done this type of self-assessment. But I think a lot of people just don't because we're busy, because we're busy doing what feels like the most productive thing, even if that's just like emptying your inbox or something like that. So I think that if more business owners just did that assessment part and got honest, then they would have a clarified vision about what they want. Then they would be able to start to identify the things that need to change in order to create that life that they want. And I think just most of us don't give ourselves the time to stop and think that through. So we're just chasing something that's always moving that we haven't clearly defined. So the target's undefined and or the target is someone else's target. We see that a lot too. Like, well, I guess like I should want seven figures because that's what everyone that I'm listening to is after seven figures. So then you're running somebody else's race to somebody else's like undefined finish line, which is incredibly unsatisfying. So it's just so important. And I think that's just where a lot of us get lost is not giving ourselves the time to really do that, do that work. I love that. I love that. Ah, and I did want to say for everybody that is listening, I do have a code for social squares, which I will in the description (laughs) afterwards. Everybody can go and check it out and take advantage of it. But I do recommend that they all go and browse. And I just love everything that you're doing and all the value that you give. And I think that that's, you know, when you log into social squares, it's not just the photos. You've got other things. You've got training videos. And that's what I try to talk a lot about is over-delivering. You know, you sign up for one thing and you're just jam-packing them with as much stuff as possible. So they're like, wow. No, I signed up for this, but I'm getting all of this. And so we don't want anybody like just spending hours scrolling the internet for crappy imagery, right? That's not the best use of anybody's time. So when you're talking about really trying to harness your time as a CEO Mm -hmm. so that you're able to show up in ways that actually drive revenue, then tools like social squares can become incredibly helpful because you can spend less time searching for the images that you're going to need to get your message out and spend more time actually delivering your product or service to the world. So I think there's a logical fit there that like, we're just trying to free up your time Mm -hmm. also while helping you elevate your brand and build that no like trust factor, show up consistently, show up in a way that you're proud of. So I love that we get to do that so that the average CEO can utilize 80-20 principle and figure out the 20% that's generating 80% of the revenue and do just that. I doubt searching for images endlessly is that 20% of a CEO's like best use of time. So that's where we come in. And I think that it's a great, you know, how you've built social squares and all of that is a great model for entrepreneurs to look at of how can I take what I'm doing, make a bigger impact on a wider scale, work less, have it systemized, all of that, make a really great impact, just help people over deliver all of that. 
when somebody's looking at that, because quite often, yeah, we're stuck in these things of just doing what we're always doing and we're trading time for money. And oh yeah, that's that's a great question for them to ask themselves. That's on that note is like, if you could just start from scratch and do it all over again, what would you do differently? I don't think we even let ourselves answer that question. We're like, well, I started this podcast, so I have to keep this podcast. I've started showing up over there. So we just assume that we have to, and we don't give ourselves Mm -hmm. the time to think, but even if they just ask themselves, like if I was going to start this, if day one was today, and I was going to build what I've built right now, how would I build it differently? Would I do a product instead of one-on-one coaching? Would I do a membership instead of you know one-to-one client service? So it's such an interesting question if we're willing to ask ourselves that and it opens up so many possibilities and you're never too deep in it to pivot. You never are too deep. It's your life that's at Power stake. in the pivot. <laughs> right, it's power in the pivot. It's your life that's at stake and potentially there's exponential revenue growth right there waiting for you. If you just are willing to stop and think like, okay, if this was day one, what would I do differently? And then what if you just did that? What if you just didn't care what people thought? And you just like went ahead and did that, slashed that product or service, went all in on that one thing. There's so much magic there. So I could just go on and on. It's like uh, a lot of the, you know, I find that the bigger companies that have been doing things for so long are always afraid to pivot and change things up like Blockbuster. You know, early stage streaming went to them when they were just mailing out the videos. And they're like, no, 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 no. What we do has worked for so long. Meanwhile, they could have made things easier on themselves by getting rid of all the brick and mortars, all those employees, and then getting involved in this early stage streaming and then make far, far more money. And then on the other end, they resisted and we all know what happened. Yeah. I feel that very deeply because to be honest with you, I generally respond to those things with a no. Like I'm just gonna keep doing it the way I've been doing it because the unknown feels risky. I'm a late adapter and it hurts me and it hurts the business when I'm like that. So I have to recognize like, what is it gonna take for me to be open to an extreme pivot and not be scared about that or not be prideful about that? Like Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just hard for us to admit that like this isn't working anymore. Oh yeah. And to be honest with you, I really struggle with that. And that's something I'm really trying to work on and surround myself with people that aren't afraid of change so that we don't become the next blockbuster, you know? That's a great sample case of that and why it's so important to be willing to pivot, to be open-minded, to not be stuck in our ways, to be willing always willing to rethink everything. It's kind of like how I like to approach mm-hmm. it both in life and in business. Like what if I could just always be willing to rethink it all and start from scratch and do it differently? Mm-hmm. Innovation. How can I do this better for myself and for my customers? Mm-hmm. And sometimes better means you stop something, you know? Yes. It doesn't always mean you add something. So yes. Oh, uh, well, Shay, thank you so much. Where can everybody find more information about you, more information about social squares? Yeah. Well, I forgot to mention if you're kind of, we didn't get into like a ton about how to 80, 20 year business or Parkinson's law and so much there. So that's where really when we start to get into how can working less, it's a great idea, but how could it also be more financially profitable? Like, could I actually generate more revenue by working less? And there is, there's so much there that we didn't really get into today. But if they want to kind of dig into that a little bit more, I created a guide for you guys and they can find that at socialsquares.com slash CEO. And that's like, how to earn more by working less. So socialsquares.com slash CEO will kind of walk them through some mental exercises to tease that out. Again, the goal doesn't have to be working less hours. The goal can be, how can I make my current business more profitable? But I think there's some magic to doing it in less time. So anyway, there's that. But you can find Social Squares on Instagram at Social Squares or at socialsquares.com. And then you can find me on Instagram as well. I am a dinosaur when it comes to social media. (laughs) For someone who's in a social media-related business, 
to a certain extent. I'm such a dinosaur when it comes to that stuff personally. So, you know, I'm just on Instagram. That's where I'm showing up. That's really all I have the margin for, but you can find me on there as Shay Cochran. So yeah, come say hi, come connect. I'd love to hear for your audience, like what resonates, what's helpful out of that? Where do you get stuck? I'd love to just have that continue that conversation on those platforms with them. Oh, incredible. We're going to have to have you back on soon. (laughs) Well, thank you again so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you, Emily. 